All right, let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. The title is Faith That Brings Rest. The last verses of chapter 3 spoke of the wilderness generation that was unable to enter into the rest because of unbelief. You might look there at verses 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that they should, would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see that they cannot enter because of unbelief. So that kind of leads us into this whole discussion about entering into the rest of, the ch- of chapter four. But they would not enter the rest. And specifically, historically, the moment was The 12 spies had gone out into the promised land. They saw the land, that it was a land full of rivers and springs, and it was a fertile land. But they also looked at this, and they saw giants, and they saw walled cities. They were like, there is no way people like us could go and and fight a battle and win. So 10 of the spies came back and persuaded the entire congregation of Israel to not go into the land. Two of them, two of the spies, had faith that God would give it to them, and their names are what? Joshua and Caleb. These were the two guys that believed. And so the Lord said, well, because of your unbelief, you will not enter into this this rest, this land that I have for you, you will wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years. Why 40 years? Because they spied out the land for 40 days. And he said, for each day that you saw the land, you will walk in the wilderness until everybody that's an adult has passed away. And then the younger generation will come in, but two others got to come in as well. Who do you think they were? Joshua and Caleb, because they believed. And so this is the historical moment that's being talked about. But what's in the mind of the author is just as that group of people had heard the good news, I mean, for slaves coming out of bondage, it's good news to find out that you've got a homeland. You have a place to go that God's going to give to you. But they didn't accept it. They didn't walk into it. And he's, but he's going to parallel this now to our lives and how these believers here, um, mainly Hebrew believers that we're reading about, they had been given the good news of Jesus Christ and they were thinking about not moving forward in faith and belief in him anymore. And he says, you do that, you're not going to enter the rest. So this is a strong exhortation to enter the rest and to remain in that which is ours. So we begin reading at verse one, where we see there's a a promise remains. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short. The promise being referred to is Jesus. He's the one, he's the rest that is being talked about. I mean, we've talked so much about Jesus and he is that one who is our rest. And, and, and so they had maybe a nationalistic idea that said, you know what, um, the rest was given to us in this land, and if we, you know, if we end up following Jesus and we're going to maybe forfeit this rest, he's like, wait a minute, there's a rest in Jesus that is, that is out there, and he's going to show them that even the prophets spoke of a coming rest that was well beyond the days of that wilderness generation that didn't enter the rest. He says there is a rest that the others have spoken of, and he's going to make the case that that one is Jesus. So a promise remains. 
But he says there, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. A healthy fear of missing out on God's blessing. That's what he wants them to have. But this is an interesting one, I think. And I think we've got to be careful here. Because there are, there are those that walk around in fear that they're not saved. And I, I, as I say that, I know some of you are like, yeah, that's me. I'm afraid I'm not really saved. I've, I've put my faith and trust in Jesus, but I just don't trust myself. I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm really saved. And, and you walk in fear. That's not a healthy fear. That's not healthy. You should have a confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross and what he's promised to do for you that he's going to complete it, he's going to finish it. Who should have this fear of coming short? Well, who, who's he talking to? As a group of people that has the word of God who have been pointed to Jesus and they're saying, I don't know if we want him anymore. Oh, to that person, they need to fear. Do you see the context? Do you see how to apply this? It's, it's those that are contemplating not entering the rest of Jesus Christ. And to them, he says, you need to fear. You need to think about all that you're going to miss out on. And he's, of course, been talking about this for chapter after chapter. So I'm not going to reiterate that. But we, there is a place when we begin to contemplate maybe another ideology, or we begin to contemplate another lifestyle. We're contemplating some, you know, sin in our life. We're like, yeah, I might just go down this road. I just, you know, I might be just all in for this thing. Then this is when this passage comes up. There needs to be a fear. If you start walking down that path of decided disobedience and rebellion to God and say, I'm just going to do it and I don't even care. I'm just going to live it out the way I want to because that's what I want to do. Oh, then I think it's to you that needs to fear lest you come short. And so there's a place for it. You know, I, I, I realize some of you are like, man, I wish this wasn't here. This idea of being, of having a phobos, having a fear um, of coming short. I just think we should all have confidence and be assured, and that's great. And that is true as long as we're abiding in Christ. But when you're not abiding in Christ, the proper response is to have a fear of coming short of all that God has intended. And so um, if you are that person that's following Jesus and you don't want to ever let go of Jesus and you're struggling with, does God really you know, love me, am I really saved? This is not for you. It's for the person who's evaluating Jesus, his words, and who he is. Um, let's move on. And verse 2, we read, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. The gospel? How could the gospel, how could Jesus die on the cross, rising from the dead, Forgiving our sins, how could that be preached to a generation that's coming out of, out of Egypt? I mean, Jesus was a long ways away. But the word gospel simply means, does anybody know what the word gospel means? Good news. If you were a slave being liberated from your, 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 your um, enslavement and leaving that land and there is somebody saying, I'm going to bring you into a land, and here's your laws, and here's your government, and all that you need is going to be there. Hey, that's good news. But they didn't, they heard that good news, and they did not enter. Here's an interesting thing. The name Joshua and Jesus is the same name. Did you know that? It's the same name. So if you're reading in the Greek, and it says Joshua, it's going to look just like the name Jesus. But the translators have kept it separate. 
um, so that we can understand who we're talking about. But think about this. There was a Jesus who was leading people out of slavery and brought them to the promised land and said, I've got good news for you, we can go in. But they didn't believe and they didn't follow their leader, Jesus. Today, we have a leader, Joshua, Jesus, who is leading us into a land of blessing and salvation and fullness, eternal life. But we need to believe him, we need to follow him. So a promise um, remains, and then we read about rest that comes by faith. How do you receive what the Lord has? What kind of works do you need to do? Well, it's by faith. It's, it's belief. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The shortcoming was not that they didn't strive hard enough. The shortcoming was that that wilderness generation did not believe. Anybody who ends up outside of Christ and outside of dwelling in heaven will be there because they did not receive the good news. They heard it, but they didn't mix it with faith. It is not enough to hear about Jesus being Lord and Savior. You've got to mix it with faith. That is, you've got to embrace that truth. You've got to believe in it. And if you don't do that, then it won't be yours. And so, so important that we understand that it comes by faith, not by works, not by striving. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in just a moment. But when I went to Nepal several years ago and... Uh, this brother said, hey, when you get there, why don't you come early and we'll go up and we'll go walk into a couple of villages and see what the Lord is doing. I'm like, yeah, sounds awesome. And so I get there. I, have, I, I said, well, what do I need? He goes, it's just a little day pack. Just, just, it's fine. It's no big deal. And it was a big deal. Um, that was fake news. I tell you that. So uh, I get there and he said, all right, we're going to fly to this town and then we're going to have to take another uh, flight up into the mountains. And uh, we're flying into what I now know is the, one of the most dangerous, and many would say the most dangerous airport in the world. It's Johnson. You can look it up. Johnson, Nepal. And um, I had no idea about that until we were landing. And I'm looking at tree branches. I, I, I can't even tell you how close they were. It was crazy. We were hugging the side of the mountain and just coming around in this valley. And we're landing. Everything's Okay. I got a lot of stories about that trip, but um, he's like, all right, well, there's a hotel right there. Like, we'll be here and we'll just take these little day trips out there. So no, we're going to walk up into the valley. It's about eight miles away or something. I don't know. It was a long ways. And um, I'm just thinking we're just doing it. So we get there and I'm like, all right, so we'll just go and see little villages from here. He goes, no, tomorrow we're going to walk up there. What do you mean? We're going to walk to the top of that mountain? It's like 12,300 feet or something like that. I'm like, I really, I'm not thinking this is like a little jaunt to a village here, okay? So the next day, we do that. We walk up there. Um, uh, Jamie was with me, and um, we, we walked up there, and it was, it was a great trip. But, you know, when we got up into these high mountains, there was all these little caves that were in the mountains. And what, these monk, what would happen is they'd take these, like, monks or people that are trying to get close to God and they would lower them down by a rope, and they would come into the caves, they would untie themselves, and the rope would be brought up. And then they would just be in there, and they would, you know, try and get close to God, and they would afflict their bodies, and they wouldn't eat, and they wouldn't drink, and who knows what else was going on. And 
They're striving. They're trying to get close together. They're working hard. I mean, you can look at it and say, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but you know, you've grown up in this. You've grown up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know that it's not by works, but it's by faith in, in Christ that we receive this grace of the Lord. But the world doesn't know that. What the world knows is work to please God. And so they do all kinds of crazy things and all kinds of religions telling people how to do it. But you know, for you, it's just mix it with faith. You know it. But do you understand that you're in the minority that lives on planet Earth today and that has lived on the Earth since Jesus Christ? You're in the minority of people that know that it's just mix it with faith in Christ. And so... This is the, what, what he's encouraging. So yeah, a promise remains. And the, and the rest that comes, it comes by faith. What, what do we mean by faith? Excuse me, by rest. Um, it speaks of eternal life. I think, you know, and so you can read and, uh, you know, and a lot of people will line up and say, this is talking about the millennial kingdom. That's the rest. This is talking about um, the second coming of Christ. This is talking about, I think it's comprehensive. I think it's speaking about the here and now and the rest we have. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. In Christ Jesus and the peace that comes to our life. I think it is about the kingdom that is to come and our time in the presence of the Lord. So that, that's where I, I, I land on this. I, I don't think it's just one thing or another. I think it's like a comprehensive experience with the Lord that is being referred to. So th that is it. It's the life we have in Christ. It's the present life. It's the eternal life. Verses three through nine, we're given an exhortation to enter the rest. Let's read those together from verse three all the way down to verse nine. <clears throat> For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he who has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. So to on the creation account. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since, <coughs> therefore, it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David, today, after such a long time, it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, and here's kind of the conclusion of the point, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. So the point is simple. There was a rest. They did not fully enter into it. If Joshua had given them the rest, then there would not be another later time where David speaks about a rest that the people of God could enter into because chronologically that is much later. So the idea is even that the rest that God wants to give is much bigger than just the rest that the children of Israel um, you know, did not receive that first generation. And the, of course, the next generation did. But, there, but there's a rest that's still out there. So this group of people who's thinking, hey, we, we have it all in, you know, in, in Judaism. We have it all in the Lord. We have this nationalistic rest. And he's like, wait a minute. Your nationalistic rest, this is what's keeping you coming to Jesus? 
He is the rest. He's the thing. You know, first of all, they didn't even believe. They didn't enter in. And David spoke about a rest that was to come. So there's a rest that's out there. What is that rest? Oh, the rest is Jesus. And so he's persuading them to to believe and to trust in the Lord alone. But it's not an easy argument to follow, in my mind at least, as you move through uh, chapter 4. But that is the exhortation that he is seeking to give to them. A rest remains unclaimed, which is available. Are you walking in the rest of the Lord? <clears throat> Do you have peace in your heart? Do you have that assurance that you are in a relationship with the Lord? Because if you don't, you need to come to the Lord. Excuse me. You need to come to the Lord. You know, you're out there. And you may not be a monk on the side of a mountain, but you're working just as hard as he is. I mean, you're, you're, you're going through pleasure, trying to find that thing that's going to please you. You're running down that, that road of sin. Oh, and the way of the transgressor is hard. You're working hard in your sin to try and bring salvation, to try and fill that empty place in your life. Or maybe you're following some other ism or some other ideology. And you're working hard to try and make it all right within yourself. And it's just, I mean, you feel the grinding. It's like, you know, when you got the cogs and, you know, whatever, you know, mechanism and it's running smooth, you don't hear it. But man, if one of those teeth gets off or it was made wrong, the whole thing begins to just kind of make noise and jerk and it doesn't function properly. If that's your life, you need to come to Jesus. He will give you rest. That's not to say your life is going to be without difficulty, but there will be a rest in your life and you will be equipped with the tools you need in Christ Jesus to deal with the difficulties when they come. Listen, a day will come when you will not have any more difficulties. When we go and we are in that eternal rest with the Lord, there'll be no challenge and nothing will ever knock you off. There's never going to be a text or an email or a conversation that's going to ruin your day. You will be in your glorified state with other in your glorified state with other people who are in their glorified state. We're not going to have that to come right now. As believers, we know there's many things that challenge us. But I just want to say, if you've never come to Christ, you need to come to Him. It's today. It's to to come and rest and and cease your striving and your working to try and get it right with the Lord. In verse 10, it says, For he who has entered his rest (coughs) has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So the Lord rested on the seventh day. And if you come and put your faith in Jesus, you will enter into a similar rest. You're You're not striving anymore. You're not trying to get to the Lord. What does the rest look like? Well, I'll break it down into three areas. A rest for our spirit, a rest for our everyday lives, and a rest for eternity. Number one, rest for our spirit. If you are in Christ, there's going to be a, a, and we're just talking about that, a settling that comes. But listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're out there, you're striving, you're, you're trying to fill your life and make it complete in, in those hollow spots <clears throat> in your life. And Jesus said, 
hey, you're heavy laden, you're striving, you're working so hard, you're laboring, just come to me and I will give you rest. Your creator who knows you wants to give you rest in your spirit. He wants to reconcile you to the Father. But there's also a rest for our lives. Once we come to the Lord and we experience this rest for our spirit, there is a rest that God wants us to walk in in the midst of the storms and the trials of this life. Let me read about this. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. The Lord wants you to have a perfect peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. <coughs> With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's a peace that he wants you to have. He doesn't want you walking in anxiety in this life. He wants you to be free of anxiety. He wants you to have a peace in your life. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, because I'm giving you my peace. You see, the peace that God wants us to have as those have entered into the rest, it's not like the peace the world offers. It's a peace that comes from being connected with your maker and your savior. John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The Lord wants us to have these things. This is the rest. <coughs> this is the way rest should look like in the life of, of one who's come to Christ. In Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse 15, it's about a married couple. And in this, the statement says, not to let the, the little foxes spoil the vine. And in a, in the interpretation there is, don't allow the little things of, of the marriage to get in there and corrupt this wonderful relationship you have. But you know, we can take that and we can apply it to our own walk with the Lord. And there's a lot of little foxes that come in. I don't know exactly you know, what kind of damage foxes did. I haven't researched it lately, but, but the text indicates that these foxes, something get in there, an animal, and they can be destructive. And I think we, we need to guard this peace, this joy that has come to us against the little things that are coming into our life, those annoyances, those thoughts, those concerns, and Maybe it's a trial you're in. Maybe it's bad health that you're in. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just, it's something that's not really significant like an event like that. It's more just you as an individual, you're unsettled and you just can't find the rest that is yours. It's yours. Because you've come to Jesus, you've ceased from your labors, but now you have all kinds of things that are hammering you in this life. And those little foxes are trying to spoil the fruitfulness of the vine of your salvation. Maybe it's plans that you had and you don't see them coming. And now all of a sudden it begins to undo you and you begin to begin to feel anxiety. And maybe that anxiety now turns to anger and you're mad at God because this is going on and you're contemplating just going out and, well, whatever, I'm going to go sin. I'm going to do what I want to do. 
And you have the little foxes that are just gnawing and chewing. Listen, the day will come in the eternal rest where you don't have to deal with little foxes. It's coming. It's getting close. You know how I know it's getting close? I looked in the mirror this morning. It's getting close. I mean, it's coming. You know, there's your signs of the times. Look in the mirror. Jesus is coming soon. (laughs) And even as we look around the world, we see what's happening. The Lord could come at any moment, you guys. And we'll enter into that rest and we'll cease from having to deal with all those things. But right now we do deal with them. Now you can act like you don't have to and you can ignore it, but the reality is they're there. So we need to learn to walk in this rest. And I just share with you, I mean, I, you know, I've been in, I've been in a, a ton of pain, a little better than it's, it's been, but I mean, I'm not asking for anybody's pity, okay? I appreciate your prayers, your concern, but please don't pity me. I am a child of the Lord, and if the Lord has me here, I don't need to be pitied, I just need to be prayed for. Um, compassion is great, but my father's taking care of me. But I mean, even last night, I probably slept two hours. And um, just in pain the entire night. I'm not in pain standing in front of you right now, but last night just like could not find the, that spot. You know what I mean? And I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And I just, I'm like, I'm in bed. I'm like, Lord, I don't get this. I'm, I'm about to go preach and I don't even know how I'm gonna stand in front of people. And so Lord, you know what? All right, I'm just, this is, you're gonna have to take care of this vessel and you're gonna have to give me what's needed for that moment and, and just, but that's the good thoughts that are going on. But there's also something churning on the other side. Do you know what I mean? And the thought that wants to come in is like, what in the world are you doing with me? I mean, it's like, why don't you heal me? I mean, people are praying, I'm praying. And these are the other thoughts that are going on. And just, and, but if I let those things develop, do you know what's gonna happen to me? You know. I mean, my peace is gonna go. My joy is going to go. And so I, I, told, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that I'm just like, I, I'm going to steward this trial. So I, in my mind, just you can think whatever you want to think about me. I'm just going to be honest with you. In my mind, when I think about stewarding the trials, like, all right, I'm going, to, I'm going to handle this trial. You can do something well. And that's going to translate into something that's going to be significant and meaningful for your glory and your kingdom. And so the way the Lord has allowed me to be used lately is, you know, travel overseas and speak to all these leaders. Um, uh, I hopefully, this isn't, I'm not meaning this to sound boastful or prideful. I'm just trying to get you in my head. And so, you know, I'm thinking, all right, the Lord wants to maybe use it like that or something like that. But that's not what's going on. Here's what's going on. Stewarding the trial is this, is that I come to the place when I can't sleep or the pain is so intense. I come to the place where I can actually say, I trust you and I believe you and I'm not going to question you. And whatever's going on. I, it just is. And if, if this is the what's going to be like, then you're going to have to give me a lot of grace to do what you've called me to do. And so, Lord, I trust you. I worship you. And I thank you. And I, I go on. That has been stewarding the trial. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you. That seems really insignificant. <laughs> it's not. I know it's not. But in the moment of just trusting and believing in the Lord when everything's kind of crashing down pain-wise on me, and wondering how I'm going to do what I want to do with my life and live it the way I want to. And I think I'm getting better, but it's just, it's a season. But 
stewarding the trial and saying, all right, I believe you and I trust you and I'm not going to go into that dark hole of all those thoughts about you. That is stewarding the trial. And I, I'm just telling you, that seems rather insignificant at the moment. But it's not. And it's not for you either. And it may not be pain for you. Maybe it's just something emotionally. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's just you worry about everything. Stop. Stop. You need to stop it. You got to stop letting those little foxes come in there and gnawing on things and spoiling the good fruit that God wants to do in your life. Look at the next verse. And so the three things were how does a well-rested life look like? Rest for the spirit, rest for everyday life, rest for eternity. And then uh, verse 11, the need for diligence. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. The word for diligent, it's a, it's a Greek word, spudazo, and it means to take pains, make every effort, be zealous. And so if you look at this and you read it, it says, let us therefore take pains to enter that rest. So you come to the Lord, you don't, you're not saved by works, you're saved by faith and trust in the Lord. But as you get into this salvation, walk with the Lord, this rest, you must steward it, you must be diligent with it. You can't just take your hands off of it and, and just coast. You can do that when you're going downhill, but guess what? You gotta go uphill in this journey. There's gonna be times where it's flat in the valley, and you can slow down, and when you hit that, that peak, you got to accelerate through. And if you've just been coasting, it's going to be hard. The trials are going to come to you. So be diligent. Take captivity those thoughts that you have, those things that are robbing you. You have a hope. You have a joy in Christ. Make a big deal out of, out of them. I, you know, a sister came up last service and she was so candid and she was so honest and she's like, I know when those moments are coming for me to just trust in the Lord. And she goes, and I don't do it. I push it away and I resist it. And, and we do know that. And if you don't know that, ask the Lord to show you where you're doing it. And we're like little kids that won't be comforted on the father's lap. He's like, you just need to believe me and trust me right now. Oh, no, no, no. We need solutions, God. We need to solve this thing. And I, if all you got for me is to trust and believe and rest, then I'm going to work in my mind. And you know what? That's where we start getting anxious. That's where we get undone. Oh, there's a place to plan. There's a place to talk with brothers and sisters and ask the Lord what to do. But when you do that and it doesn't come, now you just trust and now you believe and your rest will be there for you. The Lord says, come to me and I will give you rest. I realize for some of you, this is more difficult. This is a more difficult issue. You know, anxiety and stress and fear. This really is hard for you. You know, well, for this person, it's, it's lust. For this person, it's materialism. And that's the thing they really struggle with. But for you, it's this. But I'm telling you here, and I'll step on toes. I know I will, but I'm going to do it anyways. You need to just, you need to stop in your mind of going into those places of just painting pictures of destruction, despair, and failure, and you know, stop it. Stop thinking about those things. Trust in the Lord. 
Believe in him. Set your mind. How much have you ever solved in your anxiety? We don't solve things there, do we? So let's just be honest and say, you're not going to solve it. You have to trust in the Lord. Just like I'm having to trust in the Lord, just like we all do. We'll close here, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What's the point? God's word reveals where your faith really is. We just went through some scripture verses. We held it up in my life and in your life as a mirror, and it showed us where things really are. Maybe you're like, ah, the word of God. Yep, I got faith, you know, for inner, inner, that, uh, you know, spirit rest, eternal rest. I've got that. But the living rest, the word of God showed you. You're not walking in it. It showed you. And so it's there for us. But God, in verse 13, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes. To the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You're going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account for what you did with his son. But here's the deal. He knows where you are. You can't fool him. If you're in the word of God, it'll keep you from deceiving yourself. But God doesn't need his word to figure you out. He just looks and figures you out. The word is there to figure us out. But God looks and he sees it. He knows exactly where we are. So you can fake it. You can fool other people, but you're not going to fool him. Such a practical message here. We do need rest for our spirits to be reconciled to the Lord and not striving to be saved. We need rest in this crazy world we live in. And I want you just to see the pattern. This pastor that we're reading his words to, he's exhorting them to enter the rest. He's telling them about the rest that's there. Okay, you got the message now. The rest is yours. You're walking in it. You need to be a pastor to other people. And you need to go call them to be in the rest too. Have you noticed the world is not very restful? They're not at ease out there. So much anxiety, so much fear, so much anger. No rest. But Jesus says, you can enter my rest. Come to me. Stop laboring. Stop striving. Father, we thank you that you are good and kind to us in all of your ways. You hold nothing back from us, Lord. And yet, Lord, we allow the foxes to come in and to spoil the vine. We cease to be diligent. Lord, I pray you would help us. I just want to encourage you, that brother or sister who just your life is so often marked with fears and anxiety. We're not picking on you. Again, there's other places, other people in this room, they struggle with other things. We all have our issues, don't we? But I just want you right now to understand that Jesus really is enough for you. Enter in. Receive it. Quit trying to solve the things you can't solve. Quit dreaming up doomsday scenarios in your heart and your mind. Believe him. Trust him that he's going to work it out. Walk, walk in the rest that you have been given. You're not trying to create a rest. 
the rest is there. But all these little foxes, man, they're just gnawing and running through and tearing up that beautiful vineyard that God has planted in your heart and your mind. Come to the Lord. Ask him to show you those places where you're, you're resisting. And then, then repent of it. I say, Lord, I'm going to start believing you for this, for the finances. I'm going to start believing you for the relationship, for all these other things. If you've never come to Christ, you've been trying, man, you've been laboring in sin, you've been striving in all kinds of ideologies and isms and other religions, and you're just worn out. Jesus says, oh, come to me. Come to me. And you can come and you can confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Say, Lord, I believe that you are the creator. You're the maker. And that you died for me. Forgive me of my sins. He'll do it right where you said. And begin that journey with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to close with this song. And as you do, just continue doing business with the Lord. Up in front, we're here to pray with you. Let's just let's make sure, certain that we deal with this before we walk out the door. You know, maybe that's coming up. Maybe that's lingering. Maybe it just happened. But the Lord loves you. And he wants you to be at rest. He wants you to be at rest. Think about how much time mom and dad, new mom and dad, spend trying to get their little kids to what? Rest. Ah, they're resting. They do so much. I love watching my kids with their little kids right now and just churning and churning, doing everything they can to make them rest, to get them in that right spot. That's your heavenly father. He has rest for you.